Welcome to episode two of People Behind the Business, a show for small business owners with small teams and huge ambitions. I'm your host, Rosemary Richards. When I was a guest blogger on the Think Creative Collective blog, I talked specifically about why I am really not a fan of marketing personas as a concept. And that's an important part of what today's episode is going to address. So what is a marketing persona anyway? It's basically this idea that you can figure out who you serve and what they do and what they want and what they're willing to buy based on just a very superficial idea of what a certain age group and profession, etc. wants. But my guest on today's show, Mirella de la Canada, offers a valuable solution to that called archetype branding. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and let her introduce herself. I'm originally from Rio de Janeiro, Rio, and I live in London since 2014. And I'm the founder of Project M. And uh, Project M is an emotional branding consultancy aimed at fashion and beauty startups and up-and-coming business. So my work is really to address the brand motivation, the meaning, the mindset of the brand, and try to translate everything into a positioning, a marketing, and a communication strategy report. Uh, so my expertise is from fashion and beauty. Mm-hmm. And I started my career about 15 years ago, I guess, uh, in Brazil. So speaking of that, I remember looking on your website and mentioned, and it mentioned that you had a background as a fashion journalist and lecturer as well. Could you yeah. talk about how that into your work? Yeah, of course. So uh, I think because first and foremost, I have this urge to understand how things work and learn everything I can about the subject I love or I'm interested on. So uh, I think that's what originally brought me into fashion, was uh, the fact that uh, I think fashion is a reflection of what we are as a society. It mirrors all the cultural changes. So uh, I guess my, my urge to understand, to learn things, uh, I began my career uh, uh, writing for some um, Brazilian local newspapers and then uh, blogs and websites. And as a lecturer, I worked as a fashion research and um, trend forecast kind of discipline. So I think the foundation of my work began there. And until today, I think I have this... Um, urge to explain to my clients why they should uh, go this way or why the brand is reflecting this instead of that. So it's really a balance for me of uh, learning, of getting getting, um, all the experience I get and translating this into uh, like tangible uh, products, tangible uh, strategies, things Things that make people think, after all. Hmm. So I remember when you introduced yourself, uh, mm-hmm. you used the word emotional approach to branding. Could you yeah. talk about that a little bit more? 
Yeah, so um, basically when I started to consult back in Brazil, um, I was doing this traditional branding techniques of creating a character or listing the adjectives related to the brand, but I felt there was something missing there. And then I came across the concept of archetype branding. And archetypes are this term uh, coined by Swiss psychologist Carl Jung, more or less a century ago. And they address patterns that we have in our brains that are related to human experiences. So uh, archetypes can be um, timeless, cross-cultural, and they are universal because they are part of our collective unconscious. And for me, the most curious fact is that they activate the limbic brain, which is the part of our brain that is related to raw emotions, like um, uh, uh, things like um, decision-making, you know, that gut feeling that we have, that we chose one thing instead of other, we can really explain why it just feels right for us. So the archetypes are there speaking to us because when we are exposed to them, we have this instant recognition and identification. And branding-wise, studying all the brands that are like icons uh, in our culture today, we can really see that happening. Like they are so important because they are not just companies, they are not just brands. They engage with the consumer. They have a meaning, a deep meaning to them. And I guess that, that made all the difference for me because that's when I, I understood that, oh, okay. So there is branding and there is emotional branding. So I'm, I began to, um, implement this on my, my, uh, everyday work. And the first times that I coached my clients and talked about archetypes, the first reaction was like, what? What's like tarot cards or something similar? No. <laughs> so I walked them through the whole concept and they, uh, they were fascinated really like straight away because they could understand everything they wanted to implement uh, for the brand but in a most in a most simple way, uh, and I, I guess that's the curiosity uh, on archetypes. It's like everyone is speaking the same language, and it's much easier to understand than to say, "Oh, my my brand is for uh, jet setter women that likes to travel all around the world and she likes to party and blah blah." And and I always ask, "Okay, but what's the motivation behind your brand?" What makes your consumer tick? What makes uh, him, um, he, uh, what makes him uh, be willing to come back to you when you have like so many choices out there? It's really about uh, building a meaning for your brand. And I think that's so important too, because the alternative is uh, just a generic marketing yeah. persona. And yeah. that, that's just such a one-dimensional way the marketing persona is because it's just so so much like this is Susie. She's between the ages of oh, blah blah blah. Yeah. Yeah. Oh and the millennial not, woman. Oh my God. Oh yeah. I, I can't. 
so what would you recommend for brands that are thinking of including that archetype model in their business? Okay, well, go to project10longhome.com. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, well, my first recommendation was to, um, would be to read a book called The Hero and the Outlaw, uh, from, uh, a psychologist called Carol S. Person and, uh, other advertiser called Margaret March. So this is how I found out about archetypes and that's the whole, the whole a blueprint to my work. Because uh, the book is about translating the concepts of archetypes in psychology to the world of brands. So they really set a blueprint to understand what are archetypes and how how the work can make a difference to your brand. So that would be my first advice. So for those who are driving or on the go and can't write that down, I'll for sure include a link to that in the show notes. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any others you recommend? Well, there are a few more, uh, but this for me this one is like the the main one. Uh, the others they talk about archetypes. There is there is one called Building Brands and Believers. Uh, the uh, the uh, name of the author is Kent Wertheim. It's it's very interesting as well, but I think that sometimes the issue that I have with this particular one is that he talks about creating this brand archetype, but not all of them are like in a positive way. And I think I, we should see brands always in a positive uh, vision. Uh, so this is my only regard. I would say the hero and the outlaw are really like the top one. And of course, if you want to go deeper, then go to Jung, go to the original source. Uh, uh, there's a book uh, called uh, Archetypes and the Collective Unconscious, which is really, I would say, the Bible for archetypes. So if you could step into a time machine and go back to the very first day of your business, what would you mm-hmm. tell yourself? Let, let's say you only had a few minutes. Okay. What would you say to yourself? I would say believe in yourself because if you don't, nobody else will. And this is the advice uh, I give everyone that approached me asking, oh, I want to start a business. Uh, what, what's your advice? I mean, for me, it was a big challenge. Uh, especially, I guess, because I moved countries and I was in a different city, so I had to prove myself even more. And when you realize that you have to believe in yourself, you have to believe in your ideas, because, yeah, it's true. If you don't, nobody else will. Like, people sense that you are not, not being true to yourself. So work on your confidence. Yeah, definitely. Confidence yeah. is huge. I, I, I think it's insane how much people underestimate that and how much others can pick up on the fact that you're not 100% confident in your ideas, especially with a business where, like, that's where you are the one in charge and they need to feel like they can trust you with their brand for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think especially when you are consulting or you're offering a service, you are literally the face of your business. And if you don't express confidence, people won't be 
confident enough to buy your service or to hire you. So yeah, I couldn't agree more. Conf- confidence is really overestimated. We should learn this in school for real. Yeah. Yeah. So have experience in both the London and Rio de Janeiro markets. Mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting to see how uh, working with brands in those two markets has been different. Oh, it's really different. It's like a world apart. Um, I think the biggest uh, difference is the main reason that I wanted to come here. It's uh, London has a real nurturing environment to uh, entrepreneurs. My, I came here to uh, get my master's degree, and it was in fashion and entrepreneurship. So that was the biggest difference. The biggest difference, uh, I would say. And of course, for for fashion, especially, it's a much mature market. Um, and I think in Brazil, the uh, I would say the first challenge is to over, overcome all the nightmare with uh, red tape and all the taxes. So there's no not a real environment um, to people go out there and open a business. Uh, on the other hand, of course, we have a huge market in Brazil, and Brazilians are uh, they love to shop. They really, really love to shop, and they are very trend-driven. So they are all about what's new, and they want to discover new things all the time. And they really embrace social media. I see with my friends and family in Brazil much more. Of course, everyone is into social media, but in Brazil it's really crazy. Like people are on Instagram all the time and WhatsApping the whole day. So there's, uh, I think there's big opportunities in this sense. But I would say that here there is a, a much more nurturing environment to prepare yourself to be an entrepreneur. And yeah, in fashion and beauty wise, the market is much more mature and embraces ideas, uh, with more easiness, I guess. I have family in London, and I would add to the London part of things, but the good thing is there's a lot of resources available, too, mm-hmm. so that's good for anyone that's starting a business. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Like, a- anything you want, you'll find here, yeah, this is for sure. And all the resources from, like, the technical things, how to start your business, how to open a limited company, and for there's always like master classes and workshops on this first step of building business. And I think there's also a lot of networking opportunities. This is another thing that I think in Brazil we are still lacking. It's kind of networks of uh, supporting organizations and people that will really like push you into developing your ideas. Hmm. So do you continue to work with a mix of uh, brands in both cities? Uh, no, not right now. So like I still have, I have a YouTube channel uh, in Portuguese for uh, the Brazilian market. But since I had to like really uh, make an, all these efforts to develop my business, I decided to focus first here in London. And then this year I want to go back to Brazil and to start with workshops and masterclass. 
And also because when I left Brazil in 2014, the country was going to a deep recession. So it wasn't the right time to, to do business there. So now things are recovering. So I, I think like maybe later this year, I'm planning to go there. I, I go every year to visit my family, thinking about also starting business again there. Hmm. So what would you recommend for someone that's thinking of branching out to a new market, new city? Well, first thing, um, do a lot of, a lot of research. Really make an effort to study the market, uh, do a lot of, uh, research, everything you can, um, get as much feedback as, uh, you can on your ideas as well, which I, uh, which I guess goes into my second advice. Next, it's really essential. Uh, try to meet people, go to events, don't be shy to pitch your ideas and right, open up to the world that the world will open up uh, to you for sure. Don't be afraid. So do you feel like the fashion beauty industry has changed in any way since you first started? Oh, it changed so much. I don't even know how to begin explaining. Well, let me just say that I started before social media was a thing and nobody gave any credit to bloggers or YouTubers or the word, the word influencer was not even a word. So, um, uh, I think social media really transformed the market. The whole market changed like in ways that we are still processing. Um, but the main thing, it moved, the, I, I guess, it moved the focus before was like the traditional magazines and the big retailers. Uh, if I'm magazines in the sense of fashion and the big retailers for both fashion and beauty. And today there's no doubt that the consumer is the king, the absolute king. The consumer is really like driving uh, all the changes. And also for fashion, the fast fashion model accelerated everything. Uh, even luxury brands had to adapt and rethink how they produce, uh, how they, pre- they present uh, the collections. So now, nowadays there is this discussion of uh, changing the whole fashion calendar. So it, it happens all because of social media. And for beauty, I, I would say that uh, the internet helped uh, turning the consumer more aware of all the things we are applying. So the consumers uh, are now so worried about uh, natural beauty, uh, organic beauty, all those things. And also the internet helped with all those indie brands that came up with the help of bloggers and YouTubers. And so the traditional brands, all these mainstream brands were like, whoa, what's happening? So they are still kind of looking around and trying to understand. But yeah, I'll say the whole point here is that this shift in power uh, that makes us as a consultant um, much more responsible to, you know, uh, tell clients, that they need to be really careful and they need to be online. There's no doubt about that. 
but they really need to be um, true to your to themselves as brand. So there's no space for people who are just there to oh I want to make a book. No, if you are not true to yourself, you, you know, if you are not willing to come up with a meaningful brand and showing to the world that you are here to make a difference, I think there's no no point of going there because really. There is no need to other fast fashion brand or another, I don't know, skincare brand. If you are not bringing something different, some, something innovative to the market. Yeah, uh, the con- average consumer has gotten a whole lot smarter too. And that's definitely something that a lot of businesses have had to adapt to. Has that, has that changed how you approach your work with your clients in any way? Do you, Elaborate on that a bit. Uh, yeah, I think when this whole social media thing was booming, um, I was still in Brazil, and that's when I came across the concept of archetypes, and I think it was like the perfect storm because I was realizing that okay, we have so many things going on right now, and I guess it was also the time of the big recession, the world recession, so. People were like either going out of business or changing. So it was really the time that everything was changing. And like that's when I had this kind of epiphany. Like if I don't work to different myself as a consultant and offer something else, something more meaningful to my clients, I will also be outdated in a few years. So it's, yeah, I really like everything came like, together in this perfect storm that I needed to really reevaluate. I wasn't happy with the way uh, companies were doing branding anyway. And I really saw this urge to start rethinking uh, the way brands were positioning themselves in the market. So what is an average day like for your business? Uh, walk us through that. Oh, it really varies, but I would say basically I start my day keeping up with emails, checking my to-do list, and then going to the gym because I, I had to go every day doing some kind of activity, yoga, pilates. It's really important to my uh, mental health as well. Uh, I tend to schedule my meetings in the afternoon, but it really depends. And I would say like Monday mornings, I like to schedule all my social media postings for the rest of the week. Uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays are the days that I favor to do talks and uh, workshops and um, taking part of panels if possible. On Thursdays, I like to record uh, videos, and Fridays is like open days. Uh, anything can happen. If I need to um, meet some clients for a more like chilled out session, I like to do on Friday afternoon. But it's like there's not a fixed routine, and I guess this is the the good thing about being your own boss. You have the flexibility, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But at the same time, you have to be really careful about uh, boundaries with clients. How do you tend to set that sense of boundaries? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, and also because you work by yourself, there's like this appeal to procrastinate. So I'm kind of a to-do list freak. I write everything that I have to do, like the 
smallest thing. So I won't like procrastinate or start like, you know, watching a video or going too much onto Instagram or Facebook. And with clients, uh, I try to schedule all the meetings with uh, starting out, uh, starting time and, you know, ending time. And I like to uh, sending an email or sometimes a message or WhatsApp saying like, well, today we are going to talk about this, this, this and that. So everybody's kind of, you know, on board about the meeting time and the topics. So it's really about, you know, yeah, setting boundaries is really, it's really important. And also I, something that I struggle, but I try to close all the tabs when I'm, for example, working on a report, closing emails, um, taking my phone like from my side. So I don't get, you know, noises. Ah, oh, new email. Let me see what's going on. You know, can be so easily yeah, distracted. So it's really about having discipline and trying to not procrastinate as much as you can. And I think that's something too that uh, some of the listeners can take note of too. Any that like are moms with little kids yeah. or anything like that. Um, yeah. Or even with ones that are prone to distraction, uh, that's so important in order to just focus on that one task at that one time. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know it can be really difficult, uh, but I really try to do one thing at a time. So if I'm writing an email, I'm writing an email. If I'm doing like presentation on PowerPoint, I close all the tabs and I try to concentrate only on that. Because if you start, oh, okay, let me see if someone's texting me, oh, there's an email here, and oh let, me see, oh, let me watch this video, just five minutes. God, like, time flies, the end of the day, and you are there like, what have I done today? Nothing. And you feel like very kind of run down and mentally exhausted. So, it's not easy, but it's uh, I think we really have to make this effort of doing one thing at at once. What tools do you use to keep yourself organized and your business organized? Well, I have like the traditional uh, Google Calendar, but I'm always traditional in the sense that I have a paper and pen kind of schedule. I have this, you know, weekly planner that you put uh, open on your desk and you can see like from uh, Sunday to Sunday and divide everything you can do. I think it's really useful because um, sometimes you have like a, a, a notebook, but then you like have to open the notebook. I know it sounds silly, but you just forget about that. So my planner is like facing me all the time. So it's very easy to just look at it. Okay, now I finished that. So now I'm going to do this and then I have that. And tomorrow I have this meeting in the afternoon. So what, what do I need to do before I go? So I, I don't use like apps, this kind of thing. It doesn't work for me. I'd rather go with like Google Calendar, just like to be notified. But like this, the old way of pen and paper really works for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that works for some people and it's good from a memory point of view. Too. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, I also keep a notebook for ideas. So if I like, I wake up with this idea for a new workshop happening a lot right now. 
so I go there immediately and just like outline the main ideas. I, I think it's also helpful to have something like on hand. Yeah, definitely. So what kind of goals do you have in mind for project and in the future? Is there anything you're working on right now that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, sure. So right now I'm focused on creating workshops to help uh, entrepreneurs in the early stages of brand building. Uh, I've done some talks and I want to keep doing talks as well. And I want to expand, uh, not here in London, but some other places in Europe and someday maybe in the US and Canada. Let's see. And for the future, uh, I'd like to create a startup hub for creative businesses where they can have access uh, to mentorship, to funding opportunities for training, but all for free because Let's be honest, it's really difficult for a startup to you know, pay uh, many different professionals in order to, you know, develop all their, their ideas they have just to get like mentorship. And I'm not going even into funding because if you are a tech entrepreneur, there's everything kind of open for you. But I, for fashion, for beauty, for creatives in general, I like I see how difficult it is because it's kind of a world mm -hmm. apart. So yeah, this is an idea, and maybe I'll also a PhD and writing a book in a few years. Let's see. Well, uh, that that would be really cool. I mean, uh, there's definitely uh, lots of spaces and demand for that within a lot of different cities. That's definitely a big challenge to find more like-minded entrepreneurs and etc. So that's really cool you're thinking of doing that. Oh yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, that's something that I'm really starting to work on. Um, maybe later this year or in 2019. Let's see how, how it goes. Yeah, just starting like to plan things ahead and getting into my contacts elsewhere. But let's see. What advice would you have for someone just starting out in your industry right now? Well, uh, I think uh, first thing is, I, as I mentioned before, do your research. Go out there, research the market, um, research your potential, uh, your potential competitors. Uh, go really deep into what you're bringing to the table. Try to be uh, as, inno as innovative as you can. Really research the market. Go out there and do your homework. Uh, don't forget about networking. It's essential to you know, know people, to get feedback, to pitch your ideas. Mm -hmm. And really don't be afraid. If you have an idea, if you think it's worth investing in, in it, really, Go out there and don't be afraid. There's, I think there's room to everyone. As, as long as you are not copying uh, an idea that is already there, uh, as long as you have a, a sense of purpose, of bringing meaning to uh, a new brand, just go for it. So what living person, organization, etc., is having the greatest influence on your work right now? This one I'm asking everyone because this may inform future episodes as well. Well, 
uh, well, many, many organizations, many like living people, I would say like the traditional Oprah Winfrey is always a source of inspiration, but the authors of this book that I mentioned, The Hero and the Outlaw, they are the biggest inspiration to my work. So Carol Pearson and Margaret Mark. But right now, I gotta say, uh, Simon Sinek is the biggest source for me. Um, he has a TED talk called Start with Why and books about the same, the same uh, subject. And I can rewatch this TED talk over and over again because it's all about finding the why. If you don't have this uh, motivation behind your brand, your brand really clear in your mind, you can make it because it's really, it's not about selling a product. It's about selling an idea, selling a purpose, selling something with a meaning. So Simon Sinek, if anyone uh, wants to see um, his uh, talk, just Google Simon Sinek TED talk and will come up. And I really like couldn't recommend uh, his work more. And I'll happily link to his work as well in the show notes in case you guys want to check that out later on. Mm-hmm. And okay, so before we wrap mm-hmm. up, um, let's end it with the three words you would use to describe your company. Okay, so the three words are the words that kind of guide my whole uh, work is motivation, meaning, and mindset. So it's really important to identify your motivation as a brand or as a person, uh, create a meaning to surround yourself with, and from there, develop a mindset uh, in the sense of develop the codes of your brand or everything that you uh, believe that will translate into visual, uh, into tangible products, what you're trying to sell or trying to do as a business. This is where we are, the three keywords. Ooh, those, those are some good Oh, ones. good. So, <laughs> thank you. Uh, all right. So, thanks for mu- so much for taking the time to come on the show. And so, where can listeners find you online? Oh, yeah, of course. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm, I'm, I feel very honored and such a huge opportunity. Um, so, you can find me at www.projectmlondon.com and on Instagram, uh, Twitter at projectmlondon and Facebook as well, projectmlondon. And if you want to um, get in touch, please, I'll be happy to talk, to exchange some ideas about branding, archetypes, really. Don't be shy. <laughs> yeah. Of course, that's yeah. so important. <laughs> All right. So it's been awesome having you on the show and have a great rest oh, of the day. Oh, you too. Enjoy. Well, I'm still like, it's almost late afternoon here in London. I guess you're still in more, uh, mid morning there. So enjoy the day and hopefully yeah. it'll be a very nice day. Yeah. Take care. Bye. If you like what you heard and you would like to Keep up to date on future episodes. Hit the subscribe button on your podcast listening device. 
And I also have an active newsletter for podcasts, updates, and etc. And the link for that is available in the show notes if you'd like to opt into that. And of course, tell all your friends and I'll see you soon on future episodes.